0: Ashley and Michelle from the Mentoring Partnership, and we are excited to kick off season four of Mentor Chat. If you tuned in last season, then you know we are planning to talk about all things youth mental health and well-being. So Ashley, some of our listeners might be wondering why a podcast about mentoring is focusing on youth mental health and well-being. So that's a great question. We know that
1: relationships are that engagement and connections with caring adults, peers, and family members, those serve as protective factors. That means that they lower the likelihood of a negative outcome in somebody's life. And that's an early intervention strategy for a lot of young people.
0: Correct. Correct. So we also know that suicide is a second leading cause of death in people ages 10 to 34. So I'd say for that reason alone, it's only fitting that we here at the Mentoring Partnership and on our podcast, Mentor Chat, carve out time to focus on this important topic. And we're going to do just that. We have some great interviews
1: lined up this season. We're going to hear from and learn from experts in the field who will share about their work, their lived experiences, and provide our listeners with a ton of great resources. And very exciting, you can also expect to hear from young people directly.
0: Oh, I'm so looking forward to that discussion. Also really excited to hear from our guest from Allegheny Family Network, who shares a lot of great resources and information for parents specifically.
1: So if you haven't already, please like and subscribe Mentor Chat so you don't miss any of these important conversations.
0: Well, Ashley, what do you think? Ready to kick off season four of Mentor Chat with our first guest? Definitely. Let's jump right in. Misty, thank you so much for joining us on Mentor Chat. Um, We're excited to have you as a guest. Um, We met you, our organizations collaborated earlier in the year to do the uh, screening of Hiding in Plain Sight. So that was, I know, I think our first time just having an introduction to each other's work. Um, So if you could just share with the listeners who you are and where you're from and what in your role there.
2: Um, that would be a great way to kick off today's conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Um, my name is Misty Woody, and I'm the chief development officer at Allegheny Family Network. Um, Allegheny Family Network is a peer-to-peer organization of parents who have the lived experience of raising a child with mental health or behavioral health concerns, um, who then goes and partners up with parents who may just speak beginning that journey or um, experiencing that with their children. And we provide supports through one-to-one support with family support partners or support groups or parent trainings, um, social events for parents and things like that throughout the year. Um, We Our main office is based in Oakland, so we are kind of Pittsburgh-based, but we service all of Allegheny County um, through Allegheny Family Network. And then we also service the rest of the state through our statewide organization, which is the PA Parent and Family Alliance.
1: So at the Mentoring Partnership, our work, um, as you know, is centered around... Igniting the power of relationships. So, and we look specifically at adult youth relationships, whether um, formal in a formal program or just in the community, like everyday mentoring. And so it seems like your work is pretty similar in that it revolves around relationships and specifically peer relationships and sharing lived experiences. So, I was hoping you could talk some about how you help facilitate those relationships. Um examples of like what that could look like and why you all take that approach.
2: Yes, absolutely. So. Yes, we used our lived experience, which kind of gives us our own unique training before we even enter the workforce. Um, but once, and that is a requirement to work at AFN. So 100% of our agency, from our administrative assistants all the way to the CEO, have um, the lived experience of raising a child with mental health or behavioral health, and um Or trauma or um, things like fostering or their fathers who maybe had some, their families had CYF involvement. So we have different, um, different areas where everyone is. Really qualified, not only through their lived experience, but then also we provide uh, a ton of training. They are, you know, everything from the basics to mandated reporter, reporting training to um, how to share your story, um, advocacy versus aggression. Um, we are all parent peer support provider certified. Um, we also do strength based family workers and strength strength based leadership through the Temple University accreditation. Um, So we take that and we support these parents to find ways to make their lived experience and their life learned lessons into something that they can use to basically, yes, mentor and partner up with another parent. Um, By doing that, we do kind of have the same kind of relationships because when our parents are empowered and educated and informed, then they are better at parenting, right? So even though they might have struggles and challenges that say their neighbor or their uh, family member doesn't have when they're parenting their child, they have another parent who does understand those challenges and could give them like strategies, connect them to network opportunities. Um, we do everything from helping them find employment or housing because those are big barriers for some of our families that have children who may require multiple doctor appointments or treatment plans or even have discipline or behavioral issues that are going on that interrupt a normal work day so we do find ways to kind of build those relationships up give them hope which is like number one there is hope there's a way to work things out there's support here and you're not alone in your in your journey um, through this through uh, through this unique parenting journey. And I can say that because obviously I am a parent and it is a lot different than what you might hear at the water cooler or at the bus stop, you know? So um, just having even someone else that connect can connect with you through that lived experience relationship and help you walk to the next steps is life-changing for some of our families and for our kids.
0: I love that you shared about uh, employment support. Do so you think about You mention mentioned with regard to those relationships and lived experience, right? But the other thing in providing those relationships and just having someone understand the challenges, the work-related challenges that may come up, like you mentioned, doctor's appointments, um, maybe like emergencies or needing to leave early, like having a flexible work schedule. I find like those to be the things that we take for granted, If you have like if your life is impacted by mental illness. So you imagine like like you don't think about the day to day challenges that families might um, have that impacts their work, which I imagine the work helps fund like any health insurance with relation to, to getting medical benefits, et cetera. So I think that's a remarkable service that I think, you know, the larger population might take for granted when you think about youth mental health um, specifically.
2: Yes, there is, and, and and until you're kind of in that parenting seat, and some of us don't even know that we're in there until our kids are starting to get a little bit older, maybe middle school or high school, and we're starting to get phone calls, or you know they go through like puberty and like there's different hormonal changes, and that triggers something that maybe was kind of there before, or some of them do start happening in kindergarten or Head Start or um, maybe Dart is a support for us, but. Um, until you kind of every day can be a new thing, right? So it, it, you just that flexibility. We we our employment specialists will partner up with them and kind of find out, okay, what's going on right now? Um, how, what what kind of shift work or what kind of training can you get that can get you in a position where it will be accommodating to your family voice and family choice right now? Which for us is really being advocates for our kids and also um, for our family because. We can get pigeonholed into um, just kind of different, you know, like best practices or things that all of the people around our kids feel like is the best thing for them. But we're the expert of our our child, and we've been with them since day one, and we understand what's going to work best. So teaching them how to advocate for that. Um, is number one. And then trying to make sure that all of the normal, normal things that you have to do as a family member or an adult, um, can be, can work around that and still respect that, that your child may just be, um, needing a little more attention during a phase of their life until you can figure some things out. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should have to remain like low income or not have a safe and, you know, um, welcoming home just because you're respecting that responsibility that you have as a parent right now. Um, so yeah, that is something. And we, and we do see a lot of success with that, um, through that employment specialist support. To see that even if it's finding just thinking outside of the box for parents and having someone that can kind of help you walk through that can be really helpful as well. Yeah,
0: think about the training we have called the poverty spiral and how it shows like despite making like the best decision for your family, like, quote unquote, the best, like it, it could be too two scenarios, if you will, that are still like, ah, maybe not, you know, the most ideal, but like this is what you're up against and thinking about that work support like it just shows how, like you said, just uh, it's the responsibility of being a parent and providing those resources to, to help a parent support their young person, but how in, in parents making those decisions just based on the way systems are set up can further perpetuate like that, that poverty spiral, um, making it so hard for a parent to be a parent, right? Um, so that really resonates with me. In that same vein, the school year just kind of kicked off a uh, couple months ago, depending on <laughs> the district. But, like, what type of resources are available to a parent who might be experiencing difficulty in school in relation to their young person maybe having? Um, Learn, like learning support needs or started exhibiting some behavior challenges and, or they started seeing like those signs and symptoms of a, maybe a mental illness but aren't sure like where to turn. Could you talk us through like what support looks like, um, for a parent who's just learning like that something may be teetering on the side of like needing additional support for their young person, but it's coming up throughout the school day.
2: Yeah, and that happens a lot. We get a lot of phone calls. I mean, typically, you know, summer we start to wind down. Um, and then at the beginning of the school year, we do start getting a little more activated because we don't require a diagnosis for our behavioral health program. Um, and we we, are, we really do want to hear what's going on, what's making you feel this way. Um, maybe you are getting a note from school. Maybe you're noticing things through COVID. We all got to see our children in a brand new light because they were with, not with us for eight hours. And even some of us may have said, you know, that teacher must be mean or that teacher just doesn't like my child. You know, I mean, I know I said it, you know what I mean? But then they came home and we were like, oh, hmm. Yes, Johnny does not like to sit down for more than five minutes, you know. So we were all able to kind of see our children in different light through COVID. And now that they're going back, it's also a different kind of a learning curve because they are used to not being in the classroom. So even so, some of the feedback about um, some of the behavioral challenges or just like the little, you know, things that maybe make us think about um, maybe our child should be evaluated. Maybe they need to be connected to the student assistance program at school. Um, Maybe I need to call the pediatrician and see if this is something that's normal. But you don't know how to take those first steps. Well, we have a parent support line that is um, 1-888-273-2361. Parents can call that line. Um, another parent, again with lived experience, will take the phone call. That's important to us because if you've been in this seat before, sometimes you have to make seven, eight, nine, ten phone calls to explain what's going on with your child. Um, you know, maybe this organization does some work with that, but not specifically that. So here's another phone number, call them, and then you have to say it all over again. And depending on what's going on with your kid, that can be really, really stressful. It Can be stressful. It can be embarrassing. It could be something that maybe you're feeling guilty about as a parent. You know, so we don't um, want our parents to feel like that when they call our parent support line. So we do have someone that's already been through those phone calls and does not want to put another parent through that. And she just kind of answers and um, talks to them kind of about what's going on, what's you know making you think about this. And okay, well, it looks like based on our services you would qualify for one-to-one support in this program or service. If it's something that maybe we are, it's not our nine, it's not our 10, it's not where we're a 10 at, but we partner with an organization or a service that does bang up work with this particular population, we'll just refer them over and we'll help with that like warm handoff or give them the contact information so that they can get that resource and get connected to a, a service or an agency or a resource that will be really supportive specifically for what they need. If they stay with us because they qualify under our different um, eligibility criteria, which the parent support line person walks them through it Then we would connect them with a family support partner. That family support partner would, you know, kind of meet up with them. They will meet with them in their house, they'll meet with them at a coffee shop, wherever they're comfortable meeting. And they'll kind of sit down and just, ask what's going on with their um, child, what's making this concerning, what kind of steps have you already taken, what do you feel like your family wants to do about this? And then we give them all of the information about their specific issue, our family support partners follow the uh, motto of do for, do with, and cheer on. So they'll do, they will sit down and do those phone calls for different services, doctors, helping schedule evaluations, helping talk to the school and say, Hey, this is what I think is going on with my child. Maybe I could get an evaluation through you. Or what do I have to do? What do you offer for kids that are kind of experiencing this during the school day? And um, they'll make those phone calls with that for them. Then as they're moving through, they'll sit beside them and, you know, give them the information and teach them how to kind of make those phone calls and take those next steps themselves. And eventually, after a meeting, you know, as frequently as the parent would like, um, it can be once a week, it can be once every other week. It, sometimes it goes to where the parents are really comfortable, but something will come up. A month later and they can connect with that family support partner and say hey you know now this is going to happen i've never experienced this before will you come back and like kind of help support me through this absolutely so it's as frequent as the parent wants or needs um and then eventually sometimes For the uh, cheer on, that's when they're ready to kind of take the lead by themselves and they don't really um, need or necessary support one-to-one. Maybe they're still engaged in our support groups or our trainings to kind of get that extra information, but we can cheer them on and just, you know, see how they're progressing from there. Um, They're always welcome to come back to our services, even if they technically close, because we know sometimes either our child will go through another bad patch or experience something different that we didn't really support them through before, or we have multiple children, Maybe like our five-year-old wasn't really exhibiting things then when we were working with them with their 10 year old, but now it's five years later, they can always come back to us. Um, We really love the cheer on part we actually do end up hiring some of our former family members. Um, so if they've been closed for six months, they're welcome to apply uh, for a family support partner position. And some of those FSPs actually are now like our chief operating officer. So there's you know different, definitely ways for us to um, tap, tap into that potential for that parent and turn it into a career.
1: So I'm glad you shared that phone number.
2: That sounds like
1: an amazing resource for parents. And we can include that in the show notes as well. Um, I know kids don't come with a handbook and there's, um, it's hard to find resources out there, I imagine. And there's also so much and so little like on Google and like, how do you sort through it all? And having that personalized approach or just a line where you can call when you're like out of options or you just don't know where to turn. I, can only imagine what a relief that must be and um, how appreciated that must be by parents. And in you talk, I know you said um, family voice and family choice, like in that, that was a line that you used. And throughout when you're talking, I can hear that woven in and like the services that you provide and thinking about how you're rooted in strengths of the strength of families and also in believing families and like letting them lead. And that seems like it really kind of flips the script on social services or it's a much different approach um, than maybe some families are used to. And I'm kind of, I'm wondering a little bit more about that, uh, the family voice family choice and how, that makes a difference and like how that might be different from what families have experienced (laughs) in like seeking services in other places.
2: Yeah. So um, we definitely are a strength-based agency and we do identify strengths and help our families identify their own strengths because they can be in a really dark place when we first meet them. And that might be something that they've lost kind of a grasp of is not only their, their individual strengths as parents and their children's individual strengths as individuals, but also when you get involved in a lot of systems. Systems are designed to serve masses, right? So you have to think of you really lose your individuality when you get involved in certain child serving systems. And there is a purpose to it for the system, right? Because they have so many to support and help. And that's kind of where we bridge that gap because we come on as a parent support. And what, no matter what system that parent is in, we really take it very seriously to become informed and engaged and understand that system so that we can explain it to the parent. Because no matter what, um, there's some, sometimes some systems that you'll get involved in and you have to kind of like do what they say, right? But if you understand the purpose of the system, um, the purpose of the family plan, or even, I mean, like, we help families get back to reunification through CYF all the time. So that's a big step. And a lot of times parents can feel pigeonholed to exactly doing what that system is requiring. That's not necessarily always wrong because the systems also are designed to help our children be safe and, you know, be productive and like help our families come out of cycles of you know generational poverty or DNA, things like that. We understand that. But when a parent is kind of in already in a dark place or a hard place, and then they're kind of pigeonholed into like oh, you have to do this, it can make it very difficult to um, navigate through that with with hope, with motivation, and just really believing that your best interest and your family's best interest is at the core of that. So our family support partners do take the time to really understand systems, why they're doing things the way they are, what why something is required. But then also teach the parents how to um, effectively communicate why they would like to do something in in a way that respects and honors their family voice and choice, what they feel like is the best for their family unit as a whole and not just the specific child or specific person in the system. And that does help produce more positive outcomes because now it's a team effort instead of just a a person against a system or a person in a system. Um, and a lot of times there's distrust with systems. So even if it is something that could benefit the family as a whole, depending on that person's past experience, or even the system's kind of like reputation, it can, it can just instantly create a barrier to working towards the positive outcomes. And nobody wants that, right? Everybody wants the best results possible. Um, so we are different in that respect because, we, and we don't recommend any certain way or any certain resource or any certain agency. We give the parents the information that they need to make a decision that and a choice that is best for them and their family. And that is our role. And we really value that because it helps us. Everybody's different. One resource or service could be a doing a really excellent job for one family and not for the other. And we have to be able to say, well, these, this is what's available. This is, these are the benefits. These are maybe something that you might need to learn more information about. Let's do it together. And then let's find out how to make it work for you and your family. we're unique. We're really unique. And that's why it's kind of hard um, sometimes for us to explain. And that's why we always encourage people to call the parent support line, because if we're not the right fit for you, we're going to be able to look for a resource for you Um, that would be. Possibly the right fit and help get you connected. We also have a provider consultation line. So the providers that are working with our families throughout the county are welcome to call our um, provider consultation line, and they'll get information from. They can kind of like get some ideas, whether it's parent engagement or maybe I'm looking for a resource for this family, or do you have a, fit, a parent with lived experience of this or this? And then they are able to connect the dots there as well from provider to provider. I can tell you that provider consultation line too is 412-939-7250. Do you feel called to join the movement to empower the next generation? Communities and Schools of Pittsburgh and Allegheny County is recruiting prospective mentors, ages 18 and older, to make an impact on middle school mentees in the North Shore region of Pittsburgh Public Schools. By donating 45 minutes of time, one day a week, mentees will have the opportunity to engage in life skill building activities with a champion who believes in their potential. Current sites include Allegheny Traditional Academy, Manchester Academic Charter School, King Elementary, Pittsburgh Classical Academy, in Manchester Pre-K through 8. Join us. Make an impact and make a difference. Interested applicants? Please visit our website at org. So
0: you may have just answered a question that I had because in thinking about families, yeah, like you mentioned distrusting the system. And then I was also thinking about families whose children may be exhibiting some behaviors or kind of symptoms that could lead to maybe saying there may be um, a mental illness or whatever the case may be. But in my number of years of working with young people, I felt like sometimes that's a challenge for parents to hear. Like in talking with younger people, like i had a couple of young people tell me like they they recognized they needed support didn't know and but their parents didn't want to hear it and then i know like when i was younger it would have been like that conversation would have been like that child just needs time out that's all it is so i it makes me wonder like how a mentor let's say like if a mentor was working with a young person and that young person had mentioned just not not feeling like their best self or whatever the case may be. Could a mentor use that provider line to help like be that advocate and that liaison between the young person and the parent? Or is that would that not be suitable for a mentor
2: to reach out to to get resources? I don't think it would be highly inappropriate for a mentor to contact the provider consultation line because they are providing a service. Um, We do provide services to parents. So, you know, that might, they might want to get information to relate to the parent. um, And that would be totally fine. Um, There's a lot of stigma still around mental health, there's a lot of that in different communities. There's a lot of it still in our school systems as far as behavioral health and how we kind of process that and process our children and kind of um, communicate with our families about those needs. Um, there's still, there's a lot of work being done in, in particular in schools where they can have programs and services available for students, but because of that stigma with the parents, with parent family, they're not able to really process and um, proceed with some of those because they need, you know, proper documentation and things like that. Um, even, you know, Certain pediatricians might be more apt to have a conversation. Some might have, be more apt to just want to write a prescription. And some people, you know, that's not their choice for their child to be medicated or not medicated. That's something that deserves a lot of conversation, research, and information. And that's kind of why we work so well with um, families that are experiencing that kind of um stigma or just, like, lack of understanding because we can spend the time with them to help them research and understand um, even what, you know, say a diagnosis is or what a behavior means um, or how to, you know, get, get kind of strategies even for, like, de-escalating, like, in the home without medication. Like, there's ways that you can you know, support your child and still be respectful of your cultural beliefs or your family beliefs. But bottom line is if let's not let our children like go through periods without support um, and let's find a way that we can, you know, get the resources or the strategies or the trainings or just even the understanding and information um, to the parents so that they can still support their child while understanding that. And that's kind of where our family support partners are really great at because they all have had that different experience. Some of them did have to go towards medication toward their child. Some of them came from families or religious beliefs that just you don't have mental health. You have a faith problem, you know, things like that. So everyone kind of um, and and the other cool thing, which is like tied into the mentoring is our staff just really communicate well with each other about certain things that might be going on. How can I help this family member? Um, this one's going through that. Our supervisors are excellent. They don't even really just supervise, they coach. So they talk to their staff daily, multiple times. If there is an issue with a family or they don't know where to direct them, they coach them through it. And so it's really a great kind of way to see the different levels of mentor, mentoring and like coaching. Um, from, from families to families and how that can like really just build up and support others, um, through relationship building and experience and yeah, just spending time with people and like hearing what they're saying and giving them information that they need. Um, because once people have that, they usually can make better decisions and are more amicable to following through with those things. And that's what helps our kids the most. And, and there, are, there are also resources that um, for your mentors that they can connect teens to that can, you know, they can kind of, if they, ha- if they still feel like they're not being heard at the parent, parent or family level, they can still kind of process through that with professional help individually as well.
1: Uh, so I imagine that relationship building and those networks of support are especially important now during the pandemic and like the past couple of years. Um, I know that the pandemic has been tough on everyone, um, especially families with children and has also, we've seen a lot of mental health challenges like come up and also things that were already there have been like exacerbated a lot. And I know in a previous um, response, you mentioned how families may now be seeing behaviors for the first time since kids are like at home or at home a lot more. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted your work in any way and maybe impacts that you've seen on families that you work with too.
2: Yeah. um, So the pandemic, I believe, was a wild ride for all of us, no matter what work you do or, you know, what your family looks like. Um, And I am really thankful that we're kind of like on the flip side of it. Um, Right in the mix of it, to be honest, we did not stop. That's actually when all of our family support partners and our agency was just super activated. Um, We fortunately were able to, you know, serve as community health deputies, we were trained to be able to um, help at the very beginning when everything was so questionable, people didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to report, um, what, you know, steps to take if they did feel sick. So we were able to um, already have like a real solid relationship and base with our family members and in our communities that we were able to like walk them through kind of the logistics of um, actual, the actual, Disease of COVID, and how to um, you know navigate through that. Um, we also were able to identify just from our communications with certain family members in certain communities what those communities actually needed. So that might have been like, hey, there's food available, but not where I can access it. So we were able to go into pockets of communities with volunteers and through our family support partners and help um, distribute food, like school lunches and things like that. Um, <clears throat> going into school, we were able to help connect families to laptops and devices so that their kids could continue learning. I mean, almost all of our families have kids with IEPs or some kind of, Um, you know, special individualized learning program and how can you deliver that through a paper packet? So um, we really wanted to get our families connected to devices right away. And we were able to work with Allegheny County um, to do that and get them back online so that they could have that uh, individualized instruction and continuity of learning and services, even if it was virtually while schools were shut down. I don't think that we really, I mean, we noticed things like, you know, families that had um, family members on medications. Like we were able to work with Allegheny County again to deliver lock boxes because now your kids are home all day and kids get into things. You know what I mean? So we were able to get lock boxes for medication for family members. We were able to look at the way we deliver support for families that are have IPV and intimate partner violence in their home. How do we adjust kind of like our check in systems and everything for that? Um, we, we definitely went on um, to Zoom. You know, honestly, I look back and I'm like, why didn't I buy stock in Zoom? Because we were already kind of, you know, doing a little dabbling in Zoom. And then once COVID hit, we were able to continue our one to one, uh, family supports through Zoom by getting all of our staff online and um, helping them in, in, And that was interesting too, because, you know, we were professionals that like work on technology all the time. But our families didn't know how to do Zoom. And schools were like, oh, yeah, just get on this classroom. And like, no, we need step by step. Okay, step one, press that button that turns this thing on. You know, every device has a different button to turn it on. So, you know, we were able to like walk families through that safely and like from a distance. It was challenging, but we are very adamant that that was a time where our families really needed support. We were we have been for the last 15 years, a connection to a lot of the services and resources in the County and the County wasn't really equipped or staffed. And I mean, people were getting sick, you know, they weren't able to really deliver their services directly to homes and us as the family support partners and people that could drive around and drop things off and, you know, do virtual check-ins individually with into, indirectly into homes and kind of serve as um, you know, Providers and um, suppliers during that period, I think it was very rewarding for us. It was tiring, but it was just great to know that we didn't like it was like no family left behind. You know what I mean? Like we could see exactly what they need and help and call someone and say, hey, this is what this family needs. Can you help me with it? And if you get it to me, I'll get it to the family. And we were able to work through that together with our partnerships throughout the county to deliver a lot of services and um, items, fa- like helping with bills for families that were just out of work or, you know, had like streaks of COVID in their houses and were quarantined for like a month, you know, like nobody could leave the house. And it, and also just being that kind of check-in person that could say, you um, Yeah, this is really hard. And I know you're going through it. And these are, you know, just just vent. Just let let them vent to me. You know, those were really great ways um, to support families through COVID. And it was a very, very different delivery service. We typically in the past, you know, we had face to face meetings once a week or like I said before, however often the family member needed it. That st- had to stop because the county was like on shutdown. So we couldn't really meet with people directly for the entire time we typically would have, but we were able to move to zoom. Um, and we continued that until people felt comfortable because I don't feel like, and even now, you know, COVID's still out there. We just had a whole nother kind of outbreak in some of the communities that we work in where, um, everyone was kind of like, dominoing with getting symptoms and getting sick. So we still are really cognizant to that. And we've changed our um, approach to really be more kind of comfort level friendly for families and parents. And then also, we were able to connect virtually through so many different channels into communities that maybe we didn't know really needed us and um, maybe aren't it's may, it might not be conducive for them to travel to our offices. So we always try to maintain like a hybrid option for our parent trainings, our support groups, and other things that people can still join virtually and in person. So a lot of people still want that in-person contact. And that's that's what we like. And we like to be able to just be a check-in person. And sometimes it's easier to talk about things with someone right next to you, especially things that can be really hard to talk about concerning your child Um, or your family, or just a struggle. So we do value those face-to-face meetings, but uh, we still found ways to kind of expand our service delivery through virtual options as well.
0: I think what's so refreshing about this conversation and the services that you all provide is the underpinning thing that keeps coming up for me is like, and this is no surprise because this is the (laughs) the work we do every day, but relationships matter, right? So adult-youth relationships, adult-to-adult relationships, everything you talked about with regard to the support that you offer, but then in the time of the pandemic, it, it wasn't Always centered around mental health and well being. It's just like being in relationship with someone and wanting to make sure they're okay. So that might look like having access to technology, food, being a thought partner. Right. Um, the other thing that you shared that I love, and I'm like, oh, this could be our slogan too: is do for, do with, and cheer on. Like to me, that's what somebody you're in relationship does for you. So it's if it's a mentor, if it's a peer mentor. Um, That whole do for, do with, cheer on just really just resonates so much with me. Um, So I appreciate you just sharing your work, um, the resources that are available for parents. Is remarkable. And I would imagine that that is refreshing for parents to have someone who has had similar experience be able to be a thought partner to walk them through. um, I'm sure the the roller coaster of things that you potentially may go through if if your young person is impacted um, by by mental illness. I want to circle back to something you said at the top of the conversation, and you mentioned the word hope. And I, I know when we deliver our youth mental health and first aid trainings, like with with regard to hope, we stress that recovery is possible. So should someone have been diagnosed with a mental illness or exhibiting signs and symptoms of a mental illness doesn't mean that they have to have those signs and symptoms forever. Uh, recovery is possible. We want to instill hope um, and I was wondering if you had any inspiring stories um, or a story that you've witnessed during your time
2: working with Allegheny Family Network that you would like to share with us? Yes, absolutely. And that is kind of one of my favorite things about my job is just listening and hearing, you know, our family support partners, they share out, um, you know, obviously situational and we don't Share. We're very protective and confidential of our, our families because they deserve that respect. But they'll share out, you know, circumstances that people have come out of or just ways that they were able to kind of um, help redirect families or just ways that they've achieved steps in their goal plan. Because So with our families, sometimes they get involved in services and the service plans will um, be goals that, you know, the service requires of them in order to get through the service. With us, we do family goal plans. So it's what you think that you want, you know, your family to look like in six months, a year. It's, um, you know, we even gauge their feeling of hopelessness to hope as part of our outcomes. And are we doing our job properly to support this family? Because families that are properly supported and serviced do feel more hopeful and we know that. So that's like actually like one of our gauges, which I think is really cool because that's coming directly from the family. But we most recently had a really great celebration, we call them celebrations, and um, one of our family members had involvement with intimate partner violence, um, drug and alcohol, and her own mental health. And she had been with our family support partner for three years. So she connected with AFN um, three years ago, and um, it was through a CYF involvement, which is Children, Youth, and Families. Um Since then, our family support partner was able to celebrate that her mom had had her child return, so there was reunification for the family, which was a major family goal. And she worked really hard on each step of her goal plan. Um, she went to an eight month intensive mental health inpatient program to support herself so that she could be you know a better parent for her child. And even through that in treatment program, our family support partner was able to connect with her through the phone and emails, and just keep her really motivated and hopeful. And before that, um, that treatment plan and the goal the goal was to be involved, have that reunification, and also work on um, you know employment and housing def- definitely several goals. One of the major celebrations was that she did complete her treatment program. She did be reunified with her child, and she was just recently hired um, at UPMC Western Psych as a peer support specialist under mental health. So now she's going to be able to serve as other families, Um along with, you know, her lived experience and in a very vulnerable position, because being in the hospital is, is a really vulnerable time for anybody. And when her caseworker asked her who was her biggest support, she included her family support partner along with her personal family members. So it was really touching to know that she was able to navigate through that and that our, our agency and our lived experience Was able to walk with her even through times when she was probably very much alone, um, you know, in a treatment program. And that happens all the time. And we love it because you know, we want to see healthier families, healthier families make healthier communities, right? So it impacts all of us. And, you know, all of us might think, well, I haven't gone through that with my child, or I'll never have to use that service. But maybe your neighbor has, or maybe your coworker has, or maybe even just, you know, the guy driving the bus that you don't even know. And as long as like, I feel like we all kind of respect and Work to helping those individual families, then us as a community will really thrive. And I mean, everywhere it shows in economics and, you know, job placements and the labor force. So it's important to us to be able to connect one to one with the families that need us the most because now that's a productive member that everybody is going to be able to say, you know, maybe contributed to their community in some way that maybe would not have been able to do so without supports thank you for sharing
1: that story and also um thanks to that person for allowing you to share that story and uh, we definitely congratulate her and wish her the best like going forward that's um really exciting and a lot of work um so it's a really big really big accomplishments and i guess we want to thank you misty for joining us today too it's been an incredible conversation. And I know at the mentoring partnership, we really appreciate the work that you all do. Uh, We appreciate being able to like partner with you in different things and um, being collaboration. And thank you. We can uh, include information in the show notes about how folks can get connected um, to Allegheny Family Network. Also feel free to share
2: um, resources that you would like included in there as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity and for caring about this and for caring for our families and the great work that you guys do and, you know, collaborate and just kind of use each other's expertise to support more families and more mentors together.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now that we're connected, we're going to stay connected. And like you said, we're going to hopefully create healthier communities together. So thank you.
2: Absolutely. Stay inspired. Stay
1: inspired. Stay inspired! Like Misty mentioned in our conversation, the Allegheny Family Network website is a great source of resources and information. One resource that we'd like to highlight that goes along with our discussion with Misty is the Emotional Safety Plan for Parents. Parents and guardians have a lot on their plate, and we know that. Often it might feel like everything comes before you and your own well being and it can be impossible to find time to check in with yourself and recharge. This tip sheet, the Emotional Safety Plan for Parents, is designed to help you think of the things that will help you relieve stress so you're prepared in the stressful moments. Having a plan may help you feel prepared and in control when things get overwhelming. It's so important to take care of yourself while you're taking care of others, and you can use this tip sheet to help you find ways that work for you. Check it out and all the other available resources on the Allegheny Family Network website at www.paparentandfamilyalliance.org. Mentor Chat is written and hosted by Michelle Thomas and Ashley Wineland with the Mentoring Partnership of Southwestern Pennsylvania. It is produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin MacLeod. Special thank yous to Kristen Allen and the Mentoring Partnership team. Thank you to our guests. For more information about us, mentoring, and this episode's topics, take a look at the show notes and visit the Mentoring Partnership's website at www.mentoringpittsburgh.org. Be sure to like and subscribe to Mentor Chat wherever you get your podcasts.